we're busy, but isn't being busy a problem? You know, it's one thing to acknowledge that you're busy, but it's another to do something about it. Most of us know that we're doing too much, but if we don't take the time to prune our responsibilities in our calendars, we'll forever be seeking success without ever being able to enjoy it. This is the 5AM Miracle, episode number 416, What It Takes to Get Unstuck and Achieve the Extraordinary, with Tanya Dalton. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My guest today is a best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized productivity expert. Her second book is On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. In addition to having her first book, The Joy of Missing Out, being named one of the top 10 business books of the year by Fortune Magazine, her podcast, The Intentional Advantage, has received millions of downloads from listeners around the world. She is also the founder and CEO of Inkwell Press Productivity Company, a multi-million dollar company providing tools that work as a catalyst in helping women do less while achieving maximum success. And now here is my interview with Tanya Dalton. I'm so excited to be here. We're going to have a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. Uh, You were on this podcast last about two years ago. So a lot has changed in the world the last couple of years. I would like to hear your experience with what you've been up to since then, uh, what challenges you face, because obviously we've all had our own kind of slew of of difficulties. But what was your experience like these last few years? Yeah, there's been one or two things that have happened in the past two years, haven't there? <laughs> Just yeah, one or two. Right. Uh, yeah, so I think the last time I came on here, we were talking about my last book, and that was in October, I think, of, of 2019. And, you know, I was asked by HarperCollins to write a second book. And I sat down in February of 2020 and I mapped the whole thing out. Like I was like, yes, I can totally do this. They asked me to write a book on goal setting. I was like, oh, I can talk about goal setting all day long. So that's fabulous. Made a whole outline, mapped it all out. I had this like amazing plan that I laid out for myself of how I was going to write each month and how much I was going to get done. So it wouldn't be any stress. And then March happened (laughs) of 2020 (laughs) and basically all plans just like went out the window because all of a sudden I found myself homeschooling my kids. Mm. Uh, in the time since we've last talked, uh, my son graduated high school and has headed off to college. So we had all of that happening during the pandemic, uh, figuring out how to shift my business, filing for things like PPP, getting my team on board and aligned with how we're making these shifts. So lots of things happening. And the book got placed a little bit on hold for a while because it was just, it felt impossible to even write or think about the future. And I think what's really amazing is this, is a lot of times we beat ourselves up for procrastinating, for not following through on the plan exactly as we've mapped it out. And for me, it was really an amazing experience because while I had that space of not writing and just paying attention to how I was feeling and processing the pandemic, watching other people process it, I began to realize that this book was going to evolve and change into something very different than what I originally had planned. I began to realize it wasn't a book about goal setting, that yes, goal setting is in it, but goals are not the goal. And I think we spend a lot of our time chasing after a goal and then we don't have that sense of satisfaction or we don't follow through with it because it's not our goal. 
And I think that's what's been really kind of the silver lining in all of this pandemic that's happened is it's really allowed so many of us, including me, to really take that step back and say, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Is this what I want to do? And I know for me, that's allowed for a lot of growth. And that's really how the book On Purpose ended up evolving. It really began to unfold very organically as the world was unfolding and <laughs> origamiing itself and doing all those things. The book began to really take me in places I didn't quite expect. So there is goal setting in it, but it's about the much bigger picture. It's about living more to your purpose than anything else. Yeah, I think that, yeah, we all kind of reacted a little bit differently, but all had kind of the same kind of mutual kind of, yes, we need to change what we're doing, evolve in a new way. And I thought I, I had similar responses. And I'm glad that your book evolved along with it because I feel like we all kind of needed to, to shift gears in a lot of ways. So let, let's get mm -hmm. into your new book now, which is called On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. And I think that Let's just go with this topic right now of, of purpose, which is that a lot of us who, in the world of productivity, especially, we like to do things intentionally or do things that are pre-planned or proactive. But what does it mean to you to do something on purpose? Like what is, how does purpose drive your decision-making? I like this question because I think that word purpose can feel really heavy. It's really mm. weighted for a lot of people. And sometimes they'll want to shy away from it because they feel like it's something that defines them now and forever. So it's this big thing that's so daunting and overwhelming. So when I talk about purpose, especially in the book, it's really about living bigger than today. It's looking out on the horizon and seeing a future for yourself, connecting what we want in that future, this big, beautiful vision of what we want our life to look like in the future, connecting that to our actions and our choices of today, because what we do today impacts that future. And if we're doing work on a regular basis that gets us closer to this beautiful vision that we have for ourselves, that's how we have more satisfaction. That's, that's how we feel successful you know, I was really paying attention during the pandemic how, you know, all these people are chasing busy and they're they're checking off a thousand things off their to-do list and running around here and there and everywhere and falling into bed at night, exhausted, overwhelmed, and then saying to themselves, oh, I should have gotten more done. Why didn't I get more done? Even though they were busy all day long. And they're doing that in the pursuit of productivity and I think what it is, is really when we tie our actions to something bigger than today, when we tie it to being on purpose, that's when we go to bed at night, our head hits the pillow and we say, oh, today was amazing. Wow. Wasn't today great? I am amazing. That's when we really start to see that shift and change in our lives. And that's what I think is so powerful about living on purpose. Yeah, I really like this message because it's one that I think that I know I've experienced in the past where. I mean, to that point about having a thousand things in your to-do list and you just feel tired afterwards, you don't feel accomplished. I mm -hmm. know I've had many of those days and I feel like there's one aspect that I have played in over the years is having a more simplistic schedule. But I think that even to that degree, then when you simplify, those things would then need to be meaningful to you. And like to your point, if those fewer things you're doing drive your bigger vision for yourself, then that's going to lead to the satisfaction that you're going for. And I know for, you know, for years now on this show, I've talked about morning routines and waking up early to do something valuable. And one part of that that I don't talk about often enough is that those activities in the morning could be tied to that bigger vision. 
like tied to your purpose. Do you, oh, absolutely. do you have like daily habits like that where you're saying in order for my purpose to come to life, I need to wake up and then do this thing that's specifically chosen action that's tied to that greater vision? Oh yeah, I do. Definitely. And I think that's the thing. It really is about that intentionality, right? It's, and we get caught up in the big leaps. A lot of times it's the small things. It's the small things in our routine that we're doing on a regular basis that eventually we don't even think twice about because it's just a habit we've created for ourselves. Uh, I know for me, one of the big things that I have started doing that has made a huge difference is meditation, Hmm. really making time for meditation. So I get up in the morning, I start with my 16 ounces of water because I used to think I wasn't a morning person. That was a, Hmm. that was a limiting belief that I had for a long time that I was not a morning person. I couldn't get up early and it was really because I was dehydrated. So now I do my 16 ounces of water and then I, I brush my teeth and then I go straight out and I do a meditation and I start every day with doing some quiet reflection time. And that for me helps me really center myself and feel rooted and ready for my day. I think that is definitely tied to me feeling calmer, more relaxed and more focused on what it is I want in the future is having that, that space to be able to, to really look at that and how I want my day to unfold. How has that worked for you? Cause I, for a long time, I have tried desperately to meditate more often, uh, mm-hmm. and just failed miserably trying to do so. Um, <laughs> I, I, I tend to bring on guests on this show to try to get me going, you know, people that are experts in this and somehow it hasn't connected. So I'm always curious for you, like what, what is it about meditation that's allowed you to say like, this is a habit that works for me? Well, I was one of those people for a long time who said I couldn't meditate. That was one of the things I definitely said for a long, long time because my brain is always on. So I thought there's no way I can meditate. The whole idea of having zero thoughts is first of all, crazy. So for me, it was first of all, recognizing and realizing that meditation is not zero thoughts. It's accepting the thoughts as they come and just releasing them. So that gave me a little bit of a green light, like, okay, it's okay that my mind is is still thinking. But what I started with was literally just two minutes, two minutes of meditation. And when I was doing that two minutes of meditation, I was focusing in on my breathing. So I would do breathing techniques. For example, I will picture um, a square. Okay. So like a square, you go up and then over and then down and across, right? So as I was going up, I would count to five in the square and breathe in and inhale. And then I would hold as I went across for a count of five of the square and then down the square for a count of five as I exhaled. And then holding that exhale as I went across for a count of five and then back around that square. So picturing the square, counting the breaths for me was how I got started. And I would sometimes do like, I'll do a triangle or I'll do a circle sometimes um, just to kind of vary it up. But that's how I started because it wasn't about sitting on a mountaintop in a yoga pose, right? It wasn't about quieting everything in my mind. It was really about focusing in and becoming intentional, first of all, with my breathing. And once I felt really good with those two minutes, then I moved to three minutes. Then I moved to five minutes. Then I moved to seven. So it was baby stepping. I I think a lot of times we think if I can't do these like amazing meditations for like 30 minutes, I can't meditate. Two minutes, one minute counts as a meditation. You can meditate while you're in the shower. You can meditate while you're sipping your coffee. Um, and so it really is to shifting your mindset on what meditation looks like. I think that if you meditate and you feel like you've done it wrong, that's not the point, right? There is no doing it wrong when it comes to meditation. 
So letting go of any expectations, there's a million ways you can meditate. But for me, that's how I started with that breathing technique. I like it. That's a, that's a really good one. It's simple and clear. And I think that, yeah, that's really helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, you can do that while you're driving the car, right? You can do yeah. it while you're in the shower. It takes no tools. You don't have to have a meditation app going even. Just you and your breathing. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. So let's get back to this idea of purpose and one that I think that when I think about being purposeful, I know the one thing that stands in my way oftentimes is just what I'll call the busyness of life and just and kind of back to the idea of a longer to-do list. I feel mm -hmm. as though if for me, if I'm wanting to achieve more purpose, I, I have to have a lot more clarity on what I'm doing every day. How do you go about mapping out for someone like what what does purpose look like for someone who's saying like, I want to be purposeful? Like, how mm -hmm. do you begin that pro process for someone to to map that out for them to say, well, here's how you can begin that process? Mm, yes, I think this is a great question, because honestly, when I started researching and thinking I was writing a goal setting book, I began to notice that when people talk about goal setting, they don't talk about how you figure out what your goals are or how you how to figure out what your actions are. And so what happens is, I think a lot of times people set the wrong goals for mm. them, right? We look left, we look right, we crane our necks over the fence to see what the grass is looking like on the other side. And we go, ooh, what is she doing over there? I need to be doing that. Or this person's doing amazing. I should be doing what they're doing. And so we set our goals based off of what everybody else is doing, right? So it's what, what goals do we want to set? What goals are going to be fulfilling to us? So this is where this idea that I talk about in the book comes into play, this idea of cathedral thinking. So I, we call it cathedral thinking because it's kind of based on that idea of in the 1100s, the 1200s, the, the city architects, the builders, the artisans, they would build these amazing, beautiful cathedrals like the Duomo in Florence or Notre Dame. And these buildings were designed to last lifetimes, right? More than a lifetime, thousands of years. But they took hundreds of years to build. They were so much bigger than just that artisan's lifetime. They were building a legacy. 
So we all have cathedrals in our lives. What are the things that we want to do that create legacy for us that, that is off into the future? So I call that your cathedral. And that's really what we're working towards is this big, beautiful cathedral off in the distance. That's our vision of where we want to go. And in the book, what I do is I draw a line. It's almost like a, a little map. And one side says, you are here. And on the other side is your cathedral right? That's your potential. That's what you could potentially accomplish in, let's say, 10 years or 20 years down the road. So what we want to do is we want to back that up because that's pretty far away, 10, 20 years, right? So if that's our potential, what's possible? What's possible in three to five years for us to accomplish? Something that we could do in three to five years that gets us closer to that cathedral. That becomes a landmark for us to work towards, but that's still pretty far away. So if we now know what our potential is and we've backed it up to what's possible, what's practical? What could we practically do in like 12 to 18 months? That creates another landmark for us, a closer landmark to where we are now. And if that's what's practical in 12 to 18 months, what do I need to prioritize to get to that landmark? What do I need to do in the next three months, the next six months, the next nine months to get me to that practical landmark? Those priorities those are your goals. Those are the goals that are going to get you to that big, beautiful cathedral. So that as you accomplish each one of those goals, you know that whatever you've done, you've gotten a step closer to where it is you want to go, right? And each time you finish a goal or you complete it, you have that feeling of winning, feels amazing, and it continues and it stretches because it's tied to something bigger. So it's really looking off into the future at that cathedral and then it's as simple as just backing it up and creating your own little roadmap for where it is you want to go. That's really how we figure out what activities, what you know, things, what tasks we want to accomplish that are really tied to that bigger purpose. Yeah, I really like this concept of having yeah that, that smaller daily action tied to this you know glorious legacy down the road. Uh, I know for me personally, I have a really hard time, I guess, choosing the cathedral. Because I have a lot of ideas, a lot of like potential visions for who I could become in the future. How do you narrow that that process down? How do you say like you know of all the cathedrals I could build, how do I choose this one? Like, is there a process to filter like what's best for someone in a certain season of life, or a way to narrow that down? Yeah, well, I think the first thing to do is to first acknowledge that your cathedral might not be your cathedral down the road. Like your cathedral can change, just mm. like you evolve and change and shift and grow. You're not the same person you were five, 10 years ago, you know, same person you were maybe five, 10 months ago, right? So it's possible for that to change. It's just about working to get closer to that idea. And I think one of the things that people tend to hide behind and use as an excuse is that they are multi-passionate. Well, I have, I have too many cathedrals. I have all these things I want to do. And the truth is, I'm like, that's, that's kind of a myth. Everybody is multi-passionate. So we have to stop defining ourselves as multi-passionate because literally, if you were to search the world far and wide, every corner of this earth, you would not find one person who says one thing, just one. I only love one thing, right? <laughs> we all love multiple things. So it's really a choice of what it is you want to prioritize. There's lots of things you love. There's lots of things I love, but we need to choose to focus in on a couple of them. One, two, maybe three, because you can have different cathedrals, right? You might have a cathedral in your personal life and a cathedral in your, in your career or your work life, um, but really understanding which one of those you want to focus in the most. And there's actually an activity that we walk through in the book where we figure out what are you truly passionate about? Uh, I call it grabbing a piece of the pie, 
because we look at how you uh, how this this thing that you're passionate about how it fits in with your powers that's your p how much it makes an impact in your life and in the life of others and then the e is excitement how much excitement do you really have for this there's a lot of things that we're really good at that we can do that we don't really love so we give those a score and we add them up and there's a whole exercise we walk through because truly everybody loves lots of things i i love productivity And that's what I focus my career on. But I also love working with power tools. I love building things. I love doing home renovations and decor. I love love reading. So there's lots of things that I love outside of productivity. And I still make time for them. But I give the lion's share of my time to one or two things because that's how we move the needle. That's how we make a difference. Uh, This this is totally off topic, what you just said. But what I feel, you just mentioned this idea of power tools. And uh-huh. what I have found to be re- weirdly true is that people who like productivity, like the two of us, also build things like woodworking. Oh, um, really? I have so a, interesting. That's, that, yeah. that is my side thing I do besides productivity is I build things in my garage. And Me too. I, so I build a new piece of furniture every year for my birthday. That's like one nice. of the things like I love doing it. So I intentionally set aside a whole weekend to just build for my week for my birthday. So it's so funny. It must be something. I don't know what it is about the planning and the yes, I think well, <laughs> and then accomplishing it. There's it's a like lot a, about it's like that. a mini goal. <laughs> yes, well, it totally is. I think the, the mapping out what it is I'm going to build and how to do it is just it's more of the, the the same thing I'm already doing, just like not on the computer. It's like using my hands. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway, that's interesting. Nothing to do with your book at all. Just interesting points. Um, so <laughs> from that perspective, back to this idea of of the the pie. I really like this idea of being able to narrow down what it is we care about by making a decision. Um, I, I like that you called what I said an excuse. I think that's very true that being multi-passionate is just everyone. Um, I, and making a decision oftentimes for most people, myself included, that's the hardest part. It's saying of all the things I could say yes to, I'm only going to say yes to one thing. And then when that happens, well, that's when focus shows up, right? That's when you're able to right. actually dig into something more deeply. So is that the process then, like once we've kind of honed it in and said, we're going this direction now, do you just kind of like align your life to have everything go there? I wouldn't say everything because I'm not an all or nothing kind of, kind of person, okay. right? Like you have other aspects, you have other roles that you play in your life, but the majority of your time, effort, your energy, your focus should go towards whatever it is that cathedral looks like because Honestly, if that's your cathedral, it's something you're excited about. It's something that you want. It's something you desire. And so when we focus our time and our energy and our activities on that thing that gets us closer, we're going to feel more fulfillment, more satisfaction, more, more successful. And, and that's ultimately what we're looking for. I would, I would challenge you to think of any goal, any dream, any aspiration, and I would guarantee that they are steeped in happiness of some sort. I think we think of happiness as this soft thing that's like frivolous and extra, but every goal you can think of, every dream is steeped in happiness. Why do you want to lose 15 pounds to be happier in your pants, right? Why do you want to <laughs> run a marathon to be happy as you cross the finish line? Why do you want to start your own business? You can be happy as your own boss. So it's time to really focus in and create a little space at the table for happiness, because that's what life is really about. It's not the the struggle and the scramble and the scrabbling for things. It's not the forcing. It's finding the joy and the happiness in our every days. And that happens when we tie our activities with something bigger.
fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. So what happens when we get stuck? Because I feel like there are a lot mm-hmm. of seasons of my life where you know things are moving along fine. And then at some point, I real I wake up one morning and realize I don't like where I am and I'm not sure how to change it. Like, how do we get ourselves into these you know places, first of all, but really, how do we get out of them uh, to move forward? Yeah, well, I think what happens is, first of all, our brain loves patterns, right? Our mm. brain loves patterns and patterns are really important for our brain because patterns are what tells our brain what to expect next. If we didn't love patterns, we would be constantly surprised by everything, right? By the water coming out of the spigot of the shower, by by (laughs) the way the sun filters through the slats of the blinds. So understanding that we love patterns and that's a good thing is great. But we also need to disrupt the patterns because what happens is our brain goes into autopilot and it makes choices for us every single day. It chooses to make our heart beat. It makes our eyes blink. It does all of those things. It pulls our hand away from the fire. If we touch it, we don't have to make those choices. Our brain takes over without us even recognizing it or realizing it. And that's what happens too when we have these patterns of thinking of this is just the way things are, or I guess I'm not very good at whatever it is I think I'm not very good at, or I'm just stuck. We we create this like groove, this rut for ourselves where it's like this pattern and we need to choose to disrupt the pattern. And we can make that choice when we step away from it and we recognize what is the thinking that's going through my brain. What is, what's the thought pattern that's repeating itself? And when we understand that, we can really uncover it. Because here's the thing. We think that the opposite of stuck is unstuck, right? That there's this like magical moment, rainbows are shooting out of the sky where we are <laughs> ah, unstuck. And that's not true. The opposite of stuck is action. Taking action, choosing to move forward, choosing to take a step, choosing a tiny, small, itty-bitty step. That is the opposite of stuck. And that's how we get ourselves unstuck. So when it comes to these thought patterns that are on repeat in our brain, what we need to do is we need to stop and choose to take action to counteract it, to understand where it comes from. Um, And I walk through in the book, a series of questions. Well, it's really a series of one question that we can ask ourselves called the fifth why to dive into why these thoughts are there. And um, I, what I love about the fifth why is it's, it's kind of like that meditation that we just talked about. It's so simple and easy to do. You can literally do it anywhere. 
you think about what that thought is. So when you recognize I'm feeling kind of uh, like emotionally, you have a feeling or maybe it shows up in your body. Like you're having tension headaches or you're getting a stomach ache or you have, you have areas of your body where stress shows up or you find yourself in the pantry, stress eating again. Instead of beating yourself up, say, okay, what's the thought pattern? What's, what's going through my head right now? All right, we have that. Now let's take some action. Why do I think this? That first why is going to be so shallow. It's like a baby pool, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like the first answer and it's the easy answer. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask why five times. We ask the first why, and then we take that answer from the first why, and we ask it again, two times, three times, four times, five times. We keep asking why to get to that root cause. So for example, let's say your thought pattern is, um, I'm a failure, right? And you have this thought that I'm always a failure. I'm a failure. Okay. Why are you a failure? There's our first why. Well, because uh, my boss didn't give me a promotion. Okay. Second why, why didn't your boss give you a promotion? Well, because they didn't think I was ready. Okay. Third, why? Why don't they think you're ready? Well, they didn't think I was ready because I don't have my advanced certification. Okay. Let's ask why the fourth time. Why don't you have your advanced certification? I don't have my advanced certification because I don't have time to work on it. Okay. Why don't you have time to work on it? I don't have time to work on it because the evening just seems to get away from me and I don't have a really solid plan in place. And I I wake up in the morning and I feel like I'm behind. Oh, okay. It's not you feeling like a failure. It's that your evenings feel a little bit like a mess. So now we have that root cause. We can pull it up. We can change it. We can shift it. We can do some things. We can choose one or even two tiny actions to do in the evening to counteract that, to create some action going the opposite direction. And that's how we begin to get unstuck. I really like this this series of questions. Actually, it sounds like my three-year-old daughter who yeah, asked totally. me, you know, asking why <laughs> over and over, and my answers have to get more creative with each iteration. And I feel yes. like that process of just like continually asking that question, you know, can sound monotonous or crazy at first, but like, I totally get where you're going with this. That it, it really does uncover the real thing that's happening, the real reason why we're stuck in some some capacity. And I feel like if if that's what we're doing, like, how are we asking these kinds of questions every day or just when we get into these moments? Because I feel like on some level, we need to ask why a lot more often than we are. Is this kind of the goal of getting here to, to understand how we think? Because I feel like that's where we're headed. Oh, without question. And I, I think the truth is when we're three years old, we ask why a million times a day, right? Why, 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 why? We go to school and all of a sudden we're no longer rewarded for asking questions. We are rewarded for answering. So mm. we're taught to stop asking questions. So we start focusing on answers and not the questions. And so we're a little bit out of the habit as adults. Now that we're adulting, we're like, we don't ask questions. We just do this because this is just the way it is. And that's a solid excuse we hear all the time. This is just the way it is, or this is how it's always been done. And we don't stop to ask those questions, why? And if we regularly stop and ask why, if we regularly stop and say, what is my thinking here? We take more ownership over it and we can start to really choose. It's funny to say, but a lot of times we're not really choosing to choose. Our brain is just taking over. So if we step outside of it and we take time to reflect, then we can question what's happening. Am I happy here? Is this really what I want? Why am I doing these things? All of those are valid questions to ask ourselves from time to time. But because we have a lot going on, we don't stop to ask the questions and it's not part of our routine, right? So for me, 
I regularly stop at least once a quarter for my business. And I do a full day of reflection, of looking back at how my business has been going. Why are we doing these things? What do we think we want to do in moving forward? What's the, what's the main focus here, right? All of those questions are really powerful. People tend to do it somewhat at the end of the year, but we should be doing it more often. I think doing a little bit of reflection at the end of each day is an incredibly powerful experience. How am I doing? Let's just do a quick check-in. How do I feel about my days? Am I too stressed out? Did I put too much on my plate? Why did I feel like today was amazing? Let's do more of that. Why did I feel like today was terrible? All right, now that I know that, let's not do that again and do something else. Let's do the opposite tomorrow. If we stop and question, we learn so much about ourselves. And those questions are, are easy to ask and we literally can do them laying in bed, driving in the car taking a shower. It can happen at all those times. Yeah, I've done a, a weekly review for, for years and I've, I've asked similar questions like that. I feel like that most people, like to your point, are not asking those questions enough. And I feel like when we do, it is incredible the answers that we get because like for most of us, we are more aware of ourselves than we realize. We just aren't taking the time to acknowledge it and then to act on it. I feel like that for me has always been the big deal. I ask the question, but then I have to also take the next step and say, well, now let's put it on the calendar and do the thing that solves the problem. And it, it's amazing when that happens. It's, it's really transformative. Well, and sometimes we don't want to ask the questions because we don't want to hear the answers. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, there's a so lot true. of things we'd rather do than reflect back on the things that we don't like or the things that didn't go well or the failure or the trauma. But to be honest with you, when we, when we take the bandages off, when we allow those things in our lives and having those things, having failure, having trauma, having, you know, things that have frustrated us in our past stumbling blocks, that doesn't make any one of us unique. We all have them. But when we bring them to light and we take the bandages off and we allow them to get air, that's when they begin to heal. And truly, it's when we see the things that we don't like that we can build so much off of. We can build so much more off of what we don't like or don't want or don't want to repeat so much more than what we can off the shiny trophies. We can push against regret and do the opposite because so often we're like, well, I don't even know what I want. Well, you know what? You do know what you don't want. You know what you don't like. So start there. That's regret. Let's move that into resilience by doing the opposite. Make a list of what the opposite is of what it is you don't want. Um, you know, in, in my life, I can share an example of how I've done that uh, because it really was, it's a really a powerful experience for, for me, we had years ago, we had an order of products come in. So I have a, a big warehouse, thousands of boxes are there and I open up the first box, everything's damaged inside second box, everything's damaged 50th box, everything's damaged 150th box, every single product was damaged hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of product in my warehouse damaged. And of course, at that moment, I'm like, we're sunk. What are we going to do? I made the decision. We were just going to like tighten up our belts. We were going to, we were going to work to make it happen because otherwise the business was going to fail. And so I spent the next three months doing seven days a week, 12 to 14 hour days. The kids would get off the school bus, go straight to the warehouse. We would order food and eat it on the floor of the warehouse. We would go there on the weekends. I mean, it was all at the warehouse for months. And we got to the end of that period and I reflected back, how did I feel about it? And I felt like the world's worst mom. I mean, without question, world's worst mom. My, my kids weren't doing anything fun, no activities. Everything was focused on the warehouse and I felt awful. Now I could have just said, I feel awful. I'm the world's worst mom. I'm going to shove this under the bed and not think about it. 
Or I could have just said, well, I'm the world's worst mom. And that's just the way it is. I guess this is who I am and moving forward. But instead I said, okay, you know what? I don't want to be the world's worst mom. I hate this feeling I have right now. How can I push against this and do the opposite? So I made the decision because of that season in my life that I was going to leave work every day at three o'clock. I was going to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday till three and Fridays. I wasn't going to work at all because I was never going back to being the world's worst mom. I made that decision several years ago. I run a seven figure business. I still leave work every day at three o'clock and I don't work on Fridays. I would have never thought that was possible if I hadn't had a season of regret, if I hadn't been pushed so out of my, like, and being unhappy with myself, if I hadn't been pushed to, I want to do the exact opposite of that, I would have never even attempted it. And here I am now living years later, this has been a driving force in my life that I don't work the hours everybody else does, but I make an amazing, you know, amount of money. So really pushing against regret is where we can grow. It's where we can really shift into who it is we want to be. I just had a guest on the podcast talking about four-day work weeks, and he said almost a word for word what you just said, which is that this idea that when we work less, prioritize, focus, clarify what we want and don't want, that all of a sudden everything just kind of fits. Like the the messiness yeah. of the calendar is not messy when there's those boundaries in place that really establish like this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm not doing, and here's when and why. And when those yeah. things are in place, it's like all of a sudden, yeah, you don't ask the question anymore. Like, am I going to work a 14 hour workday? Like the answer is already no. It's not an option. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I love and my that. why is I don't want to be the world's worst mom right. because that's how I felt. I don't want to go back to that feeling. That regret is so powerful for me. And it is for so many people to use regret for good. What else about the book do we not cover today? Do you want to make sure we do cover? Oh my gosh, there's lots of things in the book, right? <laughs> um, I would say one of the big things that, that holds people back a lot of times is fear. There's a whole chapter on fear. I think the other thing is uh, people saying they don't have the time to do the things they want to do, uh, while at the same time saying that they're going to do those things someday. So there's this interesting push and pull. So uh, really, the whole book is about the power of choice. It's mm. choosing how you want to live your life, choosing to create the time, choosing to invest in you, choosing to release your fears. And when we understand that those choices are there, when we start to make the tiny little choices, choosing not to let fear reign over us, for example, all of a sudden more doors start appearing, more opportunities start landing right in front of us. Because once those choices are there, more choices appear and then more and then more. And that's really when we take ownership over our life, when we take ownership over who we are and what we want in this world. I love it. That is so well said, Tanya. This is great. Um, I want our listeners to learn more from you and definitely get a copy of the book. So where can they go to dig in? Yeah, so the best place to find me is at tanyadalton.com. You can find links to my podcast there, The Intentional Advantage. You can also find links to my books. So I had The Joy of Missing Out that came out a few years ago. And then this newest book, On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. You can find links to, to that on my uh, website at tanyadolphin.com. The books are also available anywhere books are sold. Okay, excellent. This is wonderful. And there's so much about, yeah, like you just said, making these choices and, and taking ownership over, over those that is so uh, like freeing. Because you're then able to really move forward in a powerful way. And I hope our listeners can really pull from that and learn from from your book and from your, your your example here. This has been, yeah, just a great lesson. Thank you for that. Thank you. I always have a good time, like I said, on the show. So I was excited about today. 
And for that action step this week, step into your purpose by taking a step. Getting unstuck, achieving success, and living with purpose all start and end with taking action. Tanya's book, On Purpose, can help guide you through that process, and it's a great place to begin. JeffSanders.com slash 416 is the place to go to get the episode notes, including the link to her book. Also, go to 5AMMiracle.com to join the 5AM Club and get free email updates about the show. That's all I've got for you here on the 5AM Miracle Podcast this week. Until next time, you have the power to change your life, and the fun begins bright and early. Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.